You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Uh, my name is Bianca Quesada, and I am in my sixth year as Director of Middle School Ministries right here at UPC. We call it The Rock, and it is one of the most fulfilling and unpredictable and grounding things that I've ever done. Just recently, I talked to the students about angels, demons, and how the spiritual realm intersects our physical world as depicted in the Bible. For some, it was the first time they had ever considered this reality. And let me tell you, the questions, the engagement, and the insights they shared were inspiring. Today, I have the joy of talking to you all about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God right here in our everyday lives and the way Jesus equips and empowers us for the mission to participate in God's work of hospitality, restoration, peace, and even healing. And right now, we're in a series about the basics of Christianity. If you were in college, these would be 100-level courses. Intros, important things to know about the subject at hand. So let's keep that in mind as we read our New Testament passage. So let's flip um, in your Bible in in front of you to page 791. That's uh, Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to start at verse 5 and go through verse 16. And if you're able, please stand as we read together. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, Give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff. For laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, Let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This is the word of the Lord. You you may be seated. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. Proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. This isn't just a depiction of what Jesus has already done. These are instructions from Jesus to his followers to pick up what he's about to leave behind. We are in the spotlight now and asked to participate in some amazing things. 
The feeling of the disciples had to be something like when you practice driving for the first time. For so long, you were in the passenger seat, not really paying attention to how your parents got from point A to point B. And now they've handed you the keys and they say, your turn. When it comes to mission work in the world and proclaiming the good news, essentially Jesus tells us to take the wheel. No gold, no bags, no extra clothes, no staff to defend yourself, and seriously, no shoes. We're to extend hospitality to everyone, and those who receive the message of God's work in the world are worthy of a blessing. And to those who do not receive the message of God, well, let's just say denying the hospitality of angels is one thing. Denying the hospitality of ambassadors of the Son of God is apparently much worse. And if you're thinking, well, this mission work seems almost impossible in my daily life with all my schedules and priorities and traffic, well, you're right. Proclaiming the inbreaking of God's holy kingdom into our mundane lives will require a shock in our routine, a direct impact to our thinking, and it will start with a shift in our resources. I can't help but think of our adaptable and brave youth right here in this congregation. Every spring, dozens upon dozens, up to 90 students choose to give up their screens and a full wardrobe, give up makeup and creating their own schedule, and they put aside visions of a low-key, let me catch up on my reading while I work on my tan spring break, and they work. They put on their long pants and farmer tan-inducing t-shirts in the 80-degree weather, and they become laborers for the kingdom of God. And to all of our surprise, Jesus was right. In this minimalist environment, with this singular goal to proclaim God's goodness, justice, and peace through our actions, we participate with God in bringing a world of communication and understanding, earnestness and love, and a community who cares for each other so deeply that it spills over to our relationships with the people we encounter on our journey. Time and time again, when we return from Tijuana, or even Camp Spalding, where the same environment is set for our middle schoolers, I hear the same thing. It's hard to come home to the drama and friendships, to my phone buzzing for attention all the time, and even the cutting way people talk to each other in the real world. A seventh grade boy told our table at Sunday Rock recently, I don't know what it is about camp, but I just feel closer to God there. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is real and it's near and it's experienced by our young people every time we follow Jesus' directions to slow down, minimize, and be heartfelt about this message of love. If you haven't experienced this in a long time or ever, I challenge you to serve on a mission. You don't have to sleep on the floor or even be gone for a week. It could be serving at Hope Place Women's Shelter or at Street Youth Ministries right here at UPC or volunteering with the middle school ministry. I just challenge you to follow Jesus' instructions and get bumped out of your routine to notice heaven's points of light breaking into our very world. One more thing about the kingdom of God. It's not just about being nice. Sure, it could start with a smile to strangers. 
Yes, holding the door open for the person behind you probably made their life a little easier. But participating in the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, the light that covers darkness, the justice that equalizes humanity, the peace that surpasses understanding, the love that heals a hurting world, is so much more than being nice. Shalom is the description of the heavenly earth we are striving for. Shalom is nonviolence. Shalom is balance and wholeness. If you know shalom to be real, you will enact shalom in your everyday life. There's a great passage in the Old Testament that describes this type of living. And if Matthew 10 was our 101 reading, this Second Kings passage is our reading for a 401 course. It has a lot of characters you might need to know the backstories for. It has some spiritual elements that parallel other passages, and we won't get into the 401 class today, but I want to point out this story. It's about an older Shunammite woman who enacts hospitality to a passerby who happens to be one of God's prophets, Elisha, and she doesn't even know it. She and her husband build a home, or no, they build a room for this man and his sidekick and feed them every time they pass through town. For all her troubles, Elisha promises one blessing to her, and it's a son, even in her old age, and she can't believe it. She and her husband have this blessed son, and he grows up to be an adolescent. While still a youth, the boy falls ill and dies suddenly. The woman rushes to Elisha, says, Hey, I didn't even ask for this boy, and I didn't even, I didn't even want him, and now I love him, and please don't do this to me. Elisha at first sends his sidekick Gehazi, but Gehazi can't do anything. She didn't ask for Gehazi. And finally, Elisha goes back with her to her house and performs a miracle for the dead son, and he's revived. And that's the story. That's the whole story. And I like it because it perfectly illustrates, one, the free gift of hospitality described by Jesus in Matthew 10. Those who are worthy of God's message are openly hospitable to others, like this woman, even though she didn't know she was opening her home up to a prophet. Openness to receiving the gifts of God through others is key in relationships born from hospitality. Second, this story illustrates the importance of personal attention. You can't build a house in Tijuana with 90 of your closest friends by phone. You can't grow through loud, boisterous worship to God and one-on-ones with people who love you by Skyping into camp. You can't perform a miracle for a neighbor you've never met. Proximity matters. Personal attention is essential to being on mission with God. In the Matthew 10 passage, Jesus says to go out and get proximate and cure the sick and cast out demons. The reality is the spiritual heavenly realm and the physical earthly realm have met. And until one is indistinguishable from the other, our work is not done. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no sickness. In the heavenly realm, there are no lepers, no demons. And the good news of God's reign is the front page headline every day. Think about when people receive a terrible diagnosis and they end up beating the odds. We call it a miracle. Sometimes a modern medical miracle other times a God-ordained spiritual miracle that bears no scientific explanation. 
We even read about some of these miracles in the Bible and think, Jesus is really defying the physical reality we've come to rely on. People don't walk on water. The dead stay dead. Blind people go their whole lives without seeing. But if we are to believe the reality of an in-breaking kingdom of heaven, then what we describe as a miracle can also be called the true reality of heaven on earth. What I mean by miracle are those things that point to God and heaven coming near. Each answer to prayer is a glimpse into the kingdom come, a sliver of light that implies a beacon. Well, Bianca, you might be saying to yourself, where was my kingdom inbreaking when my loved one was suffering? What about the darkness that blocks that beacon? And I have to admit, I don't know. I don't know why we're still waiting on the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Why our world looks so different from that world. It would only take me a few seconds to make a long list of ways I know the kingdom has not completely arrived. And I think we all see it. And we all feel it. But I also know there are instances where I have felt the goodness and peace and justice right here. Even this passage in Matthew verifies what I know to be true. We're not there yet, but it's coming, and it's near, and God has asked us to bring it. And I try not to doubt in the darkness what I've seen in the light. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus knows that the darkness is dark. To believe in Jesus' way does not require you to ignore the pain and suffering in the world. And I actually like that Jesus admits that life is tough, and he's been there. This is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as Isaiah prophesies. And let's not forget that even in Jesus' most vulnerable, soul-searching moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, before his brutal crucifixion, Jesus issues a fervent request to not have to go through the future suffering of the cross. And we know that Jesus did endure this unjust punishment. He felt every puncture, every laceration. It is through suffering that we relate to our Savior. Jesus' promises are not empty, elusive, maybe there's a better world out there type of wishful thinking. These are inhabited, substantive, I've been to the bottom of this pit and I know the way out, truths. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is near and you're equipped to bring it closer, I believe him. I believe him and I look for the sliver of light and pull away at the darkness and even shine my own light, which Jesus promises that I have. Simone Weil, the French Christian philosopher, says, The extreme greatness in Christianity lies in the fact that it does not seek a supernatural cure for suffering but a supernatural use of it. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus tells his people, acknowledging the truth of both darkness and light. You might have noticed this story go by the news recently. On Mother's Day in 1982, Deb and Mike Shearing lost their first baby, premature by three months. Then exactly a year later, Deb and Mike lost a second baby three days after his birth. They knew darkness. They lived through tragedy few can fathom. But they didn't stay there. 
Over the years, Deb and Mike became temporary foster parents to other people's newborns, and this year reached a milestone of 100 babies fostered in the Shearing home. This couple provides the warmth and comfort necessary to set newborns on a healthy trajectory that will benefit them for the rest of their lives. Although they were well acquainted with sorrow and grief, this family has sparked so many beacons of light despite their experience of the darkness. Sometimes we are searching for the light in the darkness, and sometimes we are the light for others. And if this is new to you, or you're asking yourself, how do I keep that light shining? I'd say get back to the basics, the fundamentals. This is the last in a series of sermons reminding all of us of our faith foundations. We've highlighted a few simple steps. Maybe you've seen this um, in this handout right here. It's the 101s. Um, and it's the 101s to take toward the Christian life. And we put this, we put it like this so that you could take it home with you. Um, this handout, it's good for all ages. And anyone can access the fundamentals, no matter your age or your place in life. And they will be available after the service. The ushers will be handing them out if you want to take one for you or take a couple for people you know might appreciate this. Um, the, um, the steps we came up with are, one, daily putting your faith in Jesus, as simple and as hard as that sounds. Another step is prayer. Constant communication with God helps build up those fundamental, those foundational elements to faith. Another is scripture memory. Imprint God's truth on your heart and on the tip of your tongue for those times when your own responses fail you or your own words may get you into more trouble. Uh, And I'm going to leave you with this last tool for building and maintaining a Christian foundation in your life. And it's hospitality. Hospitality that leads to relationships. We see Jesus sending his disciples out to be messengers who go. Go to people's homes. Go to their contexts. Even go to the heart of their hurting. To be serious followers of Jesus, we are asked to skip our routines and go experience the daily lives of others. Hospitality that leads to relationship can be as simple as weekly volunteering with a local program. It can be as intense as building a new home for someone or as audacious as sitting with someone who's going through extreme suffering. Through hospitality, you are proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, sometimes without even saying a word. Your presence is the proclamation. And from last week, what George said, it's you plus the Holy Spirit wherever you go. The healing work of Jesus undoubtedly continues through his people today. So my challenge to you is to at some point ask yourself, how do I feel about being a bearer of Jesus' light to others? Am I one to shine my God-given light in all situations? Or maybe you had a fire a beacon of light that provided warmth for a while, but you set it down. Maybe you're in the middle of searching for some kind of direction or path or glow, some hope in the midst of the cynicism and the comfortable righteousness the world proclaims. I don't know where you are, but I do know that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with all of us directly with his Holy Spirit, and Jesus is with you through his missionaries we who are tasked to bear the light for others. 
step into the earth-changing work of building the kingdom of heaven right where you are today. It is our calling and it is our privilege to labor for such a glorious king. Let's pray. Lord of everything seen and unseen, direct our lives toward the beautiful reality that we have only experienced glimpses of. Free us from the things that pull us away from you and your charge to care for one another. We know that caring for our brothers and sisters is an indication of your goodness, and we ask for blessings of wisdom and courage as we seek to do your will. We thank you, Lord, for every good gift that we have ever received. It is in the name of the greatest gift the world has ever received, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.